What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Kings of the Queen City podcast. Uh, it's uh, Matt here with Zach. Um, we just put out an episode about the Seattle expansion draft uh, the other day. Now we're moving on to one here the day before the NHL entry draft. We're going to cover some of the top 10 teams and their selections, what we think they'll be, uh, any possible draft day trades that could happen, uh, movement around the league that could be going on uh, before and after the draft, what Seattle is going to do moving forward. And uh, we're going to cover some of our favorite teams in the drafts and uh, just talk about the prospects a little bit. So, um, We'll get into that shortly. Zach, you got anything to say? No, hit it right on the head. All right, cool. So um, we'll just give everyone the uh, top 10 order that we're going to go over. Um, in case you don't know, the draft order this year from 1 to 10 in the first round will be Buffalo at 1, Seattle at 2, Anaheim at 3, New Jersey at 4, Columbus at 5, Detroit at 6, San Jose at 7, Los Angeles at eight and Vancouver at nine and then 10 at is uh, Ottawa. So uh, two of my teams are in the top 10, Buffalo, Seattle. Zach has Buffalo in. Uh, Zach's other team, Chicago, is not in the top 10 this year, um, which I guess is a good thing. A um, little bit, you know, rebuilding Blackhawks, but they, uh, they didn't earn a top 10 pick this year. Um, so we'll start with the Buffalo Sabres. So um, I'm going to let Zach go first because, uh, you know, we're both Sabres fans and uh, we'll just give our insight on what we think they're going to do. And, uh, you know, they have literally endless options here being the number one overall pick. They can go whatever direction they'd like to. Yeah. So, um, I mean, personally, I really don't think there's like a bad pick here. They could either choose to reinforce the offense or the defense and it doesn't really seem like there's a goalie that is very likely to go one so um for me personally I see them taking Owen Power on defense um I think that I've noticed a lot that it seems like nowadays a lot more prospects out of college don't really seem to be NHL ready immediately and they seem to go straight through the pipeline for a few years and then through their their development uh, increases, and then they're ready eventually for the NHL, hopefully. Um, But from the short highlight clip that I watched a few minutes ago before we started, it does seem like he's able to uh, get around very well in the offensive zone and really contribute to that passing play and help set up both his teammates and himself to score, uh, which is definitely a plus that you'd like to see from a defenseman. one thing, though, obviously we have Darlene already, who's a heavily offensive defenseman already, and it kind of seems like if we were to go for a defenseman, it you'd kind of hope that it would be more of a guy that's just a stand-up D-man in the defensive zone and kind of just holds it down in a sense for those guys while they're all on going up on the rush and whatnot. But, I mean, for me personally, I think right now with Buffalo, I mean, you can always trade for a star defenseman if you don't pick up one. But right now, we're still trying to ship out Ristolainen, it seems like. And who knows what you could get in return for him. him. So, I mean, I think picking a defenseman here now and then hopefully developing him for a few years and hoping that he comes out looking really good is the right option. Right. Um, So just for everybody watching, too, I just want to give the like a little disclaimer about both uh, Owen Power and all the prospects. So. 
they're projecting uh, most of these prospects, even the number one overall, whoever that will be, to return to where they played last year. Um, they don't expect anybody to make the jump to the NHL this year. Um, you can blame COVID for that. Uh, in fact, a lot of these kids uh, played college in the top 10 that are ranked, and they played a very short college season due to that. Um, some of the kids that played up in Canada slipped a little bit in the rankings because the CHL, which includes the OHL, WHL, and QMJHL, did not play this season. Uh, it was all shut down due to COVID, and actually Canada is still in the process of reopening. Um, I know that like Toronto just went into phase three of their reopening about last week. So, you know, it'll be a little while before, uh, hockey is back in full swing there other than the pro leagues. Um, but yeah, so a little bit about Owen power, uh, powers a freshman at university of Michigan, Michigan has produced, I believe there's four players from Michigan this year ranked in the top 10. And, uh, he is a big, big kid. Uh, six foot five at 214 pounds. Um, obviously some of you might be thinking, wow, that's really big, but for a player that's six, five, uh, he definitely can add a little bit more weight and that's going to come with his development and, uh, you know, growth over the, the next few years. I'd expect, you know, once he gets up to about 225, 230, that'll be about his, uh, full potential frame. So it's not that far off, but, um, at, Michigan this year in 26 games, he had three goals, 13 assists for 16 points. That's pretty, uh, you know, high production for a defenseman, obviously making him the consensus number one pick, or um, I guess this year there really isn't a consensus number one pick, but he is ranked one by almost everybody. Um, I think if you're Buffalo and you're looking for that big physical defenseman, um, he's not quite as stay at home as I think I would like him to be. Um, because he can jump up in the rush and he can um, focus a little bit at times about creating offense, which, you know, like you mentioned with Darlene and Yoki, how are you on this team? And now Jacob Bryson making his mark on the Sabres roster. Um, we do have a lot of offensive defensemen, so I would like to see them maybe go with a defensive defenseman if they decide to go that route. There are a few options in the top 10. Um, and obviously, with all the trade talk around Eichel, Reinhardt, Ristolainen, and we don't know if number one is going to be the only pick that Buffalo has. They could move into another slot later in the draft um, because teams are willing to trade their, their first round picks this year, just because like I said, with the shortened seasons and really the only ones that played full years this year were the European skaters. Um, there's not a lot of tape out on players. There's not a lot of stats, especially players that, uh, like Owen Power, who was a freshman at the University of Michigan. This was his first season playing college hockey, and albeit it was a great one, uh, they only have the USHL in the prior seasons to go off of that. So it's kind of like a risk-reward type of thing with a lot of these players this year. So teams are a little bit more willing to deal their first-rounders than they normally would be. Um, so we covered Power. Um, Buffalo obviously can go that route. Um Depending on what happens down the middle, uh, there's also Maddie Veneers, who is the center from Michigan. Uh, he played top minutes. He was the freshman as well. Um, for Michigan, he played 24 games. He had 10 goals, 14 assists, and 24 points, which is pretty good for uh, a forward in college hockey, a point per game. Uh, he's 
not overly big, but he does have some size to him at six foot one and 174 pounds. Um, again, every forward and every player that you hear about in the draft here, they're, they're going to be a little bit um, smaller, maybe not compared to the average person. But for an NHL player, they can all add about 10 to 15 pounds, and that'll come with their development, as I said before. Um, but Matty Veneer seems to be a pretty solidly built kid already um, at that size. Um, I think that if they're looking to go the center route, it would definitely be Matty Veneers. Um, but uh, I've also heard that Sabres are pretty high on William Eklund. And I wouldn't be opposed to the Sabres taking Eklund here. Um, Eklund has been ranked a little bit all over the board. You know, he's, I've seen him as low as eight, nine, dropping into the teens. I've seen him as high as number three. Um, Eklund played in the SHL this year. He can play center, uh, but he mostly plays left wing. So I would expect him in the NHL to be a winger. I wouldn't expect him to make that shift to center. Um, he's already confirmed he's returning to the SHL. So he won't be on an NHL roster next year. Um, 40 games this year in the SHL. Now, remember, the SHL is all men. So compared to Owen Powers and Matty Veneers, who are playing against kids that are at most, you know, four to five years older than them, um, William Eklund was playing against guys that have played in the NHL before, uh, guys that have been in the pro leagues over in Europe for the past 10 years plus. Um, and in 40 games, he had 11 goals and 12 assists and 23 points. That's a really good stat for a kid in the SHL. And he's, uh, right up there with some of the, uh, highest taken players out of the SHL in the NHL draft. Uh, he is a little bit smaller, I guess you could say for an NHL player at five foot 10, uh, but he is 172 pounds. So he does have a nice frame to him. Uh, the thing I like about his game is he's very productive offensively, but he's also very smart defensively. Um, he knows how to get out of a jam. He knows how to go in the corners and he knows how to win battles and, and make the smart pass. Um, and then his transition game actually was one of the best in the SHL this year, whether that be passing or controlled zone entries. He was really good at that. That's something that I think the Sabres could definitely use in their forward group. They don't have as many uh, controlled zone entries as I think they would like to. Uh, they have a lot of dump-ins, so I could definitely see William Eklund being an option. Um, I will say this, if they decide to go with Eklund, I think I'd like to see the Sabres move back, uh, making a trade with a team like Anaheim or New Jersey at three or four, um, because, you know, you always run the risk of the player not being there when you move back, uh, because teams have already built their plans. Um, but at the same time, I think that if you want a player that's not ranked one and one, two, or three, and you have pick number one, and you want to move back to get them. Moving back is the way to go. Uh, you're going to get some type of asset in return, whether that's a prospect, it's an NHL player, uh, it could be another draft pick that we could use in, in a, another trade to flip or whatever the case may be. So uh, I, for me, I think those are my top three in any particular order. Um, I think I'm a big fan of William Acklin first. Uh, I think I would go Owen Power if, as my second choice, and then Maddie Veneers as third choice for myself. Yeah, as my top three, I had Power going to the Sabres at one, and then I had Veneers going to the Kraken at two, and then Eklund going to the Ducks at three. Yeah. Um, 
so yeah so you had veneers going to seattle too mm-hmm. i think seattle is going to be really interesting right so i mean they you're a brand new team you have endless options of of where you could go i mean they could go way off the board if they want to uh there's no expectations on the Kraken this year um well i shouldn't say none because i'm sure there are people out there that are going oh they're gonna they're gonna do the same thing that the knights did in their first year but we don't know they're a brand new team so um they could be you know 32nd in the league or they could be first or they could be middle of the road we don't know um i think if you're uh, ron francis and the seattle kraken obviously i agree with you um I'm under the assumption, no matter who the Sabres pick, that Owen Power is not there. If Power happens to fall to them, I could definitely see them taking them because that's we talked about it in the last pod a little bit. Uh, Seattle has definitely built a, a physical defensive core. Um, but I do think the smarter pick for them, since they do have a strong defensive core already, even though they are a lot of older guys, um, I would go with Matty Veneers. Uh, you know, you find your number one center in Veneers. He'll be back at Michigan next year to develop um, a little bit more. He won't start at number one, obviously, when he makes the NHL. Uh, but he would be your future guy. You know, you're talking two, three years down the line. You have Matty Veneers as your number one center. I think that that's a really good center and a half. Yeah, and I think it kind of covers them, too, because, I mean, they just signed Yanni Gord, and he, he just got his surgery. So if his contract doesn't end up, panning out like they hope it will then hopefully by the time his contract expires and they're like okay we're gonna let this guy go then veneers might be developed enough at that point to start for them yeah exactly i don't expect his his development track to take very long at all i i could honestly see him playing at michigan for only one more year and then making that leap to the nhl um so anaheim you said you had Eklund going at three Okay, so uh, so yeah, you had Eklund going a little bit higher than some of the uh, or most, I guess, of the the mock drafts that we've seen out there. Um, and Eklund is going to be the wild card of this draft, I think, in the top ten. Um, I could definitely see him going to Anaheim at three. Um, I do think that Anaheim again is kind of like Buffalo and Seattle in that they really can go any direction. Uh, they need a lot of different pieces and they're really not missing any one thing uh that's going to kind of be the story for everybody in the top 10 so it's going to be you know best player available what you think that your team needs the most um i could definitely see Eklund going there and and since Eklund is a winger um i wouldn't be shocked to see anaheim actually go with dylan genther uh genther played uh for the edmonton oil kings i don't believe he played well, they did. They did play twelve games this year, uh, in in the WHL, and in those twelve games, he had twelve goals, twelve assists for twenty four points. So two points a game in the W, um, it's pretty good. Um, you know, he's not overly big, but he's a, a decent winger that can score, and he's, um, you know, I think he would fit with Anaheim really well. They definitely got to get their number one center. Uh, you got Henrik and Gutslav who are both declining and. You know, you're going to be in the market for a center very soon here. But um, Genther or Eklund are both really good choices for them, I think. Um, but Anaheim also, I, I will say this, they have a, a very strong history of going with defensemen um, in the first round. You know, we've seen Shea Theodore go 
Um, obviously now he's a knight. Um, but I, you know, I think there's at least three or four guys in their team that were former first round picks as defensemen. And if they do go defensemen, I would expect it to be Brant Clark. And he played in the OHL, not this year because the OHL did not play. Uh, he was on loan for a while and, um, he at the U18 was very good for a defenseman, eight points and eight games played. Uh, and then the OHL, there was uh, 57 games played last year, six goals, 32 assists for 38 points. And, and that's for a defenseman to put up those type of numbers. I, I know it's the OHL and it's, you know, a little bit of a, I don't want to say easier league, but because it's all juniors, you know, people tend to approach that with caution, but I still think that those are some really good numbers for a defenseman. That's not overly offensive, but it's somebody that, you know, he's big, he's six foot two, 190 pounds. He is a big boy. And although he probably won't make the NHL this year, I don't see him having any problems making the NHL next year. Um, so New Jersey at four, who do you got for that? So I actually have Jack Hughes' brother, Luke Hughes, going here. Um, okay. I wasn't I, – I didn't read too much on it because I was kind of just putting these down on the fly. But I did see um, one mock draft where one of the guys was actually really high, not just on them picking Hughes just to have, like, a brotherly reunion. But um, they had actually – I don't remember exactly what they said, but they had spoken on his play, and they had a lot of positive things to say on him. I'm sure you can speak more on that. but Right. So – um, Luke is confirmed to not be in the NHL next year. He's actually young. He's 17 years old. Um, and he's got a lot to live up to, right? He's joining the company of his brother, Quinn Hughes, who's an excellent defenseman for Vancouver. And then you got your brother, Jack Hughes, went number one overall to the Devils. And, and while he's still coming into his own, uh, Jack Hughes is in, insanely skilled. And he will be an extremely good center in the NHL within the next couple of years. Watch him make that that massive leap. Um, but Hughes is going to the University of Michigan. Go figure. Uh, it seems to be a theme today. But he's already a really big kid at 17 years old, six foot two and 176 pounds. And this is before going to college and uh, being at the U of Michigan, who, you know, they're a, a hockey powerhouse. This kid is going to get a lot of weight training done there. I wouldn't be surprised to see him throw 10 pounds on throughout the college season, be up around 185 pounds. Um, at the U he played at the U.S. NDTP this year, which is the National Development Program. Uh, they produce a lot of, you know, some of the best American players in the NHL. Uh, 18 games played 46, or sorry, not 46, geez. Four goals, 11 assists, 15 points. Um, so in my mind for a 17 year old on defense, that's really good. I think that he's like his brothers that he has some really good speed and he's got good hands. He's definitely a player that I, I think on defense would be more of a jump up in the rush type of player. Um, I haven't seen a whole lot of tape on Luke Hughes to be honest with you. So I don't want to say too much on his play style. Um, but again, I do think that he's going to be really good and I'm going to definitely be keeping an eye on him this year at uh, Michigan to see how that translates from his national development uh, game. Um, so yeah, New Jersey, New Jersey could go that route. And then um, 
you know, I, I don't know that they're going to go forward. I don't, I don't know if I see that. Um, I think they're okay in that. I think Blackwood is a really good goalie. Um, I believe they have Eric Comrie in their system now, who's, you know, he's not going to be a starter in the NHL, but he could definitely be a backup. Um, so I don't think that they're going goaltender. There's not many goaltenders in the draft this year anyways, and it's number four is way too early to go to that. Um, so I can definitely see Luke Hughes being their pick for sure. Um, next on the list, we have uh, Columbus for halfway, halfway through now. So what are you thinking for them? Uh, so at five for Columbus, I had them picking Dylan Genther. Okay. Um, I'll tell you why in a moment as soon as I pull up their stats from last season. Uh, uh, well, they finished dead last in the Central, I can tell you that. And yeah. uh, it looks like they got decent production from, I don't know, it looks like their top couple lines. had They had, they had a lot of guys assisting, but they only had – uh, it looks like four guys break double-digit scoring. So yeah. I think for Columbus to add another offensive winger that looked pretty good in his youth so far, I think it'd be real nice to pick him up and develop. And I think, like you said, he has some size to him. So, you know, it could help bring that phys- physical aspect of play as well. Right. And, and Columbus is moving in a whole new direction now. Um, you know, Seth Jones is expected to be gone. Uh, whether that's a draft day trade or not, we don't know. Um, we've heard that uh, Chicago has been really interested. And I've, you know, we've heard that, you know, Kirby, not uh, Kirby Doc's name has been out there in trade rumors with, with Seth Jones. So, you know, if they pick up uh, Kirby Doc, I mean, then you have Doc and, and Domi down the middle. Um, even if you don't have Doc, you, you still have Domi as your number one center. And, and granted, they could probably pick up a center um, through free agency or a trade to help them out in that position. But I, I completely agree with you. I think that they are hurting a little bit now on the wing, especially after losing, you know, Josh Anderson in the trade to Montreal. Um, you know, a lot of their guys are getting older. Uh, they don't really have a whole lot in terms of what's in the pipeline for prospects. So I could definitely see, um, you know, them going with, Dylan Genther here, if Genther slips to five, which I wouldn't be shocked that he does. Um, and then if William Eklund is still on the board here, uh, absolutely will be gone for Columbus. They, they would be all over that type of player because he is a, a complete 200 foot two way winger with a lot of offensive upside. And that, that fits Columbus's scheme perfectly. Um, Detroit number six. All right, so uh, I actually have them taking a goalie in Wallstead. Okay. Um, well, early on Wallstead, I like it. Um, I mean, like we were talking about it at work earlier. They they just traded Bernier away, right? So yeah. he's gone now. Well, yeah. I'm looking at their stats right now, and between the three goalies that they uh, put on the ice last season, they let in, it looks like, almost 150 goals combined between them. And – if you're if you don't have like a set starter and you have two guys that you're kind of just rotating, uh, it's not good that both of them let in. It looks like around an average of seventy goals during the season, and compared to the amount that they, I think I think that stands for goals saved or something like that. I don't know what the hell that stands for. But anyways, 
either way, they have a big hole in that, and they've had one for a while now. And when you're a team like Detroit that hasn't been able to score and you can't give your goalie any help, then it's just going to keep compiling all season long. And I think for them to finally bring in a goalie, I mean, with Jimmy Howard, he was decent for a while, I guess, but they haven't really, to my knowledge, had a good goalie since Hashik. It seems like, I mean, I could be totally wrong on that, but that's how long it's been since I can remember them having a good keeper. Um, um, I mean, they've, they've had good goaltending uh, here and there. I, I think that a lot of this is going to be attributed to the fact that, you know, Detroit, once they ended that 25-year playoff streak, um, to be that good and in the playoffs for that long, you're going to give up good players. You're going to give up a lot of your draft picks and trades. You're going to give up a lot of prospects. And I, I think that they just never really focused on the net for one. And two, you know, you, you have to replenish what you lost. And they, they've been so focused on the forward group. And now there's, they're waiting for the younger guys to kind of break in. Like Moritz Cedar, who they took two years ago, was kind of a surprise defenseman pick in the first round. And, you know, he's just kind of starting to come in now. Um, you know, you, you, you're you used to having Nicholas Cronwell out there and these big right. body defensemen that block shots and they just don't have it. So I can understand that Bernier and 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 the other goaltenders let a lot in, right? Um, that makes sense. But I, I I wouldn't mind them going well set here. I don't know if I see it happening. I, I think that they're probably going to go defense, and I would expect that to be uh, Brent Clark realistically here. And I think Brent Clark fits that role in Detroit perfectly. He's big, physical. He will block shots. He can create offense for them as well. Um, but if they do go with Wallstead, like a, like you said, um, it's going to take some time for him to get there. Uh, I'd expect it to be at least five years before Wallstead's playing a game. Uh, but he did play in the SHL last year. Uh, he's he's a big boy, 6'3", 212. Uh, in the SHL, he had 22 games played with a 223 goals against average, which is pretty good in the Swedish league, especially for a young kid at 18. And a 908 save percentage with two shutouts. He was 12 and 10 um, with this team. You know, it's a positive uh, record, which is good to see. Um, and then at the Sweden U20 tournament, he played two games. Uh, he must have come in relief in one of them because his record was 0 and 1. Uh, but in those two games, he had a 2.4 goals against average with a 9.23 save percentage. So I think he's pretty athletic. And I think that, you know, looking at gold, if you're going to look at a goaltender, you're in, you know, Detroit possibly can. I think Wells does a way to go. There's not a lot of goaltenders available in the draft this year. But um, I can see them going with them. And then if they, for some reason, do pass on Wellstead and, and Brant Clark here, I wouldn't be shocked to see them make that jump for a centerman. Uh, you know, you've got Dylan Larkin down the middle, who's going to be your captain, and I believe he is locked up to a contract now. I do believe he got a contract extension for six years, I want to say. Um, but you do need some more help there, and obviously they need wingers too, but um, at this stage in the draft, when you're talking about pick six, I think the two top wingers are going to be gone. 
and it's going to leave a little bit of centers because there is a somewhat of center depth this year in the top 15. Um, and I could go with either Kent Johnson out of the University of Michigan, or you could go with Mason McTavish. And I think McTavish is a little bit of a sneaky pick. Uh, he's six foot two, 207. So he's got a really good frame already. He played uh, on loan this year over in Europe because of the COVID restrictions. Uh, 13 games in the uh, EHC league, he had uh, nine goals and two assists for 11 points. And the year before that, in Pittsburgh of the OHL, he had 57 games, 29 goals, 13 assists for 42 points. So I think that, you know, if you're looking to add another um, piece down the middle to strengthen your core going forward, which it's a lot easier to find wingers than centermen, I think that, uh, you know, McCavish might be an interesting pick for Detroit here. Um, Next up, San Jose. All right. So uh, with San Jose, I actually had them taking a center and I couldn't, uh, I had a tough time deciding between Kent Johnson or McTavish. Yeah. Um, but I ultimately have them going with Kent Johnson. Um, I agree. He looked to have a pretty good shot on him from the highlight video that I watched. And I believe he's six one close to 200 pounds i think uh 165 okay so no okay so i was thinking of somebody else then but uh but yeah he looked to have a pretty good shot on him and i mean san jose they had some they had the usual guys scoring all the goals for them like kane uh hurdle couture but i think uh i mean in the time that if they were to take ken johnson i'd say in the time that it would take him to develop that it'd probably be pretty likely that the Sharks might lose one, two, maybe more of those goal scorers, unless I'm totally wrong and they're signed to a contract or something like that. I mean, I would assume by then Kane would probably be gone. Um, and I'm not too sure on the other guys, but they could yeah. definitely use that continued goal scoring. Um, I mean, Martin Jones, it looks like he could have been better, but ultimately that comes down to defense as well. Um, but for me, I think the Sharks are most likely going to go for an offensive pick. Yeah, uh, I, I agree 100%. Um, you know, they do have concerns in that, um, but at their position in the draft, with what they have on the roster, I think it's too early to go with goaltending. Um, defense hasn't really been an issue for the Sharks. Um, they could, you know, you know, change it up on us and go defense and add a young, talented kid to learn from Brent Burns and, you know, all these older guys that they have on the roster. But I don't see that being the case. Um like you said, I think that they're kind of grappling for a center right now. Um, and they're a little bit backwards for a team that's at the bottom of the league, right? You know, you mentioned they have good goal scorers on the wing. Uh, you got a Vander Kane who, yeah, there's, you know, some of the off-ice issues and all that and concerns about whether or not he'll be there. And he does have a large contract. He could be trade bait, whatever the case may be. Um, but you still got Timo Meyer. You know, you've got some younger, uh, decent goal-scoring wingers. But down the middle, I think that they went downhill pretty fast. You know, you lost Joe Pavelski uh, in 2019 to the Dallas Stars. And, you know, you've been trying to replace him since. And I think that uh, if Kent Johnson is on the board there, I think they go with him. Uh, he did play second line behind uh, Matty Beneers at, at 
uh, Michigan. Um, I, I think they would be drawn a little bit to the size of Mason McTavish, but I don't know that they would be willing to sacrifice that size for the skill because I do think that uh, even though you know the numbers might not reflect it in some eyes, uh, I do think that Ken Johnson has a little bit more skill than Mason McTavish. Um, but we'll see what happens there. I definitely think it's going to be a center role, like you said. Yeah, and I mean, like you've mentioned with other players too, throughout the development, if they do go with him, he's going to put on weight with working with the trainers as well. So, I mean, if you see a lot more upside in one guy than another, even though his frame might be lighter, you can always work with him to just hit the gym more often. Right. And, I, and you know what? I think that if that's a concern, if, uh, if time is a concern for the Sharks, like they say we need a center now, um, even though – like we said, they won't play in the NHL this year. If they're worried about as soon as possible, I, I think they would lean towards Mason McTavish just because his, his frame is filled out, his skills there, he can skate decently. Um, but if they're willing to wait on Ken Johnson, who I believe was a freshman this year at Michigan, uh, don't quote me on that. He could have been a sophomore, but I would have to double check it. Um, but, you know, if they let him go back to Michigan and play for two, two more years or even three, um, then you're talking about a, a kid coming out who, if he's 18, he'll be, you know, 21, 22 at that time. He'll be, you know, growing into his frame a little bit more and he'll have four years of collegiate experience under his belt. And, and you wouldn't even have to worry about, you know, okay, does he have to go through the AHL process? Really? I think that, a player like that could absolutely make the jump right away. Um, number eight, LA Kings. Uh, Kings are just a powerhouse when it comes to prospects. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think that they need anything down the middle, depending on if there's a trade or not. Uh, but, you know, you've got Alex Turcott down the middle. You got Quentin Byfield down the middle. Um, I believe they, they also have Adam to see you. Yeah. Adam to see you. Who's a, a, a really speedy player, a little bit higher in age, but speedy player. Um, you know, I think that maybe they look at defense here. I don't That's know. What, what thinking? I was thinking. Yeah. I have them taking Edvinson. Simon Edvinson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Drew Doughty, he's getting, pretty damn old now i don't know how much longer he has a contract with them for unless he's a free agent I don't, i'm not sure I, I think it's got some term on it like two three years maybe but i mean the kings for probably the last two to four years now have defense has definitely been the problem not offense i think in my opinion uh, looking, looking at some of the players that they had as their leading point getters uh, they had a lot of guys get at least 10 goals. One of those being the player that they also traded for in this offseason, Arvidsson, which I think is a really good addition. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they're spreading the wealth pretty good, both in goals and assists. And like you said, they don't have an issue at center at all. And now with the addition of Arvidsson, their wingers are looking pretty good as well. So in my opinion, even though Jonathan Quick is in decline, I mean, you can kind of patch that hole a little bit by adding to defense. And if they take a defenseman like Edvinson, if Quick is still around by that time, then 
maybe he'll have developed enough to the point where, you know, maybe he'll have some sort of bounce back season and then he'll have the support in front of him as well. Right. So um, I, I can't think of his name right now. Do you remember the, uh, the kid that is in that for the Kings? He was with the Sabres for a while and left us. Uh, it looks like they've got, as their three goalies listed from last season, they have Grisenic, Quick, and Peterson. Cal Peterson, that's it. Yeah. So um, there were concerns, I think, about Cal Peterson. Um, you know, when he left us to go to the Kings, everyone was excited because he was a highly touted goaltender, and he kind of didn't live up to those expectations right away. Um, I remember watching quite a few games of him this year, and to me, you know, he's not like, uh, you know, jumping off. Oh, my God, this kid's going to be a stud goaltender. But I think if he down the road is their starter, I think they're OK. And that, you know, I don't think that they really have to be like at the draft table going, oh, man, you know, here we are. At eight. We got to get a goaltender because that's our problem. Um, and, and like you said, the forward depth is getting a lot better with the Kings. A, a lot better. You still have Anze Kopitar, who is a Selkie candidate. Um, and even though he is older, he's still playing well right now. There's no reason to uh, hit the panic button on him or anything like that. They could trade him. Uh, they could. It's a hefty contract, but maybe they get some younger pieces if they do trade him. But if even if they don't, you know, you're still winning with him in your lineup. And like you said, Victor Arvidsson, I, I love Victor Arvidsson. I think that he is a really good player. And for LA, I think that that's the right addition because it brings a lot of speed. And that seems to be the direction that they're going. Right. So mm -hmm. they want, they want players who, you know, they have a healthy mix of everything. They've got some guys in their pipelines that are really talented skill wise. They've got some guys that have some really good wheels in Athens, you Arvidsson. Um, I think that Turcotte's got some pretty good wheels on him. Um, and then they also have just the physicality. You know, you're talking about Quentin Byfield. He's a, a massive center. Um, I think he's like 6'3", yeah, and he's pretty close to 200 pounds already, and he's 19 years old. Um, so I think that they're, you know, like you said, good down the middle. I think they're okay at the wing. Um, if they're worried about the wing in any way, I don't think that, you waste the draft pick this year on it. I think that you can find somebody in free agency to help fill that hole. Uh, I wouldn't panic and go in that. I think they can pick somebody up in free agency as well uh, to split the time with Cal Peterson. And then, um, like you said, I think they're going to go with defense. And I could definitely see Simon Evanson being a guy they pick. Um, Evanson is right around there ranked. Um, but you know what? I wouldn't be shocked if Luke Hughes falls that far. And if Luke Hughes is on the table there, I absolutely see the, the uh, King snatching him up because that's, that's their MO. You know, we, we've talked about it with Seattle and it's a, it seems to be a Pacific division thing, right? So you look at Edmonton, they, they like the big defenseman, even though they just lost Adam Larson. They like bigger size defensemen. Kings have bigger size defensemen, albeit they're not that good, but they are big. Um, and now Seattle Kraken, I don't think there's a single defenseman on the Kraken roster right now that's under six foot one. 
So, you know, you're talking about wanting big boys out West that block shots that, that play physical games. So I can see the Kings going defense for sure. Edmondson and Hughes would be my picks. I don't know. Do you have a, another pick there? If Edmondson isn't there, you stick with defense. Yeah, I would definitely stick with defense for them. Okay. Yeah. So five field six, four and two fourteen. I mean, that's, that's a hefty boy. And they have that nice balance albeit through the system and starting. I mean, Kopitar's a bigger guy. And then, like you said, Athanasiu, he's the speedier guy. So Exactly. And, and I, I, don't, I can't think of names off the top of my list right now, but they do have some decent defensive prospects as well. And those guys are getting pretty close to being ready. I don't know that they are, but they're not far off. You know, you're maybe two at most. So if then you add a guy like Edmondson to that mix-up, I mean, you're going to be talking about the Kings being an absolute powerhouse out West for quite some time. Once, you know, all these guys take over. Um, number nine, Vancouver. All right. So Vancouver, I actually have them taking Clark as a defenseman. Okay. Um, looking at their player stats from last year, they had some decent goal scores. I mean, you're obviously expecting – Brock Besser to score, Bo, Hovet, Bo Horvat to score, and then JT Miller also. I think he's a pretty reliable forward. Right. Um, and so, I mean, in regards to them, obviously Holtby, after signing that massive contract, massive letdown for them after performing so well with Washington. Uh, Demko also letting in a lot of goals. And while you can fault the goalies to a certain point, they can only stop so many shots and you need defense to help patch that up. So that's, that's the reason I have them going with the defenseman. Right. Uh, and I agree with you there. I think that their defense is a little bit aging. Um, they do have some youth within the forwards yet. Uh, goaltending, you know, it's hit or miss, but it's just not, not a good draft for goaltenders either. So I don't see many goaltenders going. Wallstead's really the only, guy on this list that I could see going in the first round if they do. Um, but I agree. I think that defense is the way to go to Vancouver. I don't know who it's going to be because at this point in the draft, we're talking about pick nine here uh, or no pick eight. No, nine. Pick nine. Yep. You're right. Nine. Um, you know, this is where it's going to start getting really hairy because there's not a lot out on these guys. And, you know, the board is probably not going to be what anybody expects it to be. Um so, you know, out of the top defense, when you're looking at Hughes, obviously um, you're looking at power, but he should be off the board well, well by now. Uh, Brant Clark, does he fall? Does Simon Edmondson fall? We don't know. But I think Vancouver does go defense. If they don't go defense, I think they're a prime candidate as well for Mason McTavish if a team like Columbus doesn't scoop him up. Um, I think they would like to add that size down the middle because you do have Elias Patterson as your sentiment, um, but he's on the smaller side, right? We saw Patterson get hurt already a couple times in the NHL because his size is smaller. And, you know, McTavish being that big guy, you know, I think that he, if he's your second line center, right, and down the future, you have Patterson and then McTavish. We'll say Patterson goes down for a week and a half with, with an undisclosed injury. We'll say it's like a, a hand. Well, McCavish can step in and play that first-line role, I think. 
and he's got that size, right? And you then you then you have the versatility too on any given night as the coach to be like, okay, well, we're going out west, we're playing a big bruiser team like the Kings, they're gonna be physical all night. Let's drop uh Patterson down to the second line. And, you know, he'll get to play against the uh, these guys on defense that aren't as good and aren't as big. And then we throw out Mason McTavish, and, you know, he's going to be a problem for them all night. He's going to be hounding pucks. He's going to be all over the uh, front of the net. And he's going to be able to play the body physically and match their, their energy to keep that uh, competitiveness up. So uh, if they don't go defense, I, I'm definitely looking at McTavish here if he's not off the board already. Uh, and then lastly, we got Ottawa. All right. So for Ottawa, um, I have them written down as taking Matthew Coronado. Okay. However, upon looking at their stats now, I didn't realize how many productive goal scores they actually had, despite where they finished in the division. Um, they had a lot of guys contributing and all but one of their double digit scores scored less than 12 goals. So they actually had some decent goal scoring last year. They just couldn't get wins. Yeah. Um, and, and that's going towards the uh, goaltending and defense a little bit more. Yeah, I was probably going to contribute that to how their goalies started out at the beginning of the season because after the first month or two, they turned it around significantly. But the right. beginning of the season hurt them a lot, I could tell. But, yeah, I did not realize how well they were actually scoring goals. Yeah, and, and there were a lot of high-scoring games with Ottawa this year, actually. So, um, like you said, the goaltending and the defense, I, I think that um, right now I'd be more concerned about the goaltending just because, like, last year Ottawa was able to get up a guy like Jake Sanderson. And Sanderson's a big boy, and he's going to be a physical defenseman for them. And, obviously, you could always use defensemen, right? Mm -hmm. But um, – if Wellstead's on the board here, I think that this is more of an ideal situation for him to be drafted. I don't know. You know, I don't expect him to go early. I don't expect him to go in the top 10, but if he does go in the top 10, I think it will be out of him. Um, you know, they just, they have Matt Murray. He's under contract for a little while. Matt Murray has been very hit or miss on every team that he's been on Pittsburgh and Ottawa. He's been hit or miss. Um, he'll have a good year or he'll have a bad year. And they just lost Joey Decord, who was a decent uh, goaltending prospect that they had to the Kraken. Um, so I, I don't mind them going well said here. I don't think that they need to go forward. I, I don't think it's a necessary thing right now um, because I expect them to be in the top, you know, top 10 again next year. Uh, they're going to take a little time. They do have really good prospects to, to go but I don't think that they're as close as a team like LA or the Rangers in terms of their prospects. Like if you rank the prospect pools, right. It probably goes LA, New York, Ottawa next. And, and Ottawa is not nearly, you know, they're about two, three, four years away from their prospects coming into the NHL and even starting to make an impact. Whereas LA, you know, a lot of those guys can make the NHL next year or halfway through the year and start to make an impact right away. The Rangers, you know, they're, they're right there as well, where their guys are just this close to the NHL and ready to make that impact. So um, I think that if he's there, Brant Clark's a good pick for him. Um, I don't know. I think 
in my expectation, I think that Edmondson would go first over, over Clark. Um, but even if Luke Hughes is there too, you know, he's a, like I said before, he's a guy that I could see slipping a little bit in, in the rankings because he's been all over the board from what the scouts have been saying, you know, he could be five, he could be 11, he could be eight, he could be nine. So if he's there, I think Ottawa goes with him. He's got a little bit more development than, than most of the defensemen available in the draft, but you are uh, getting size and you're getting skill um, rather than just the defenseman that's closer to being ready right now. So that's it for the top 10. We're not going to cover all 31 because that would be insanity. And like we said before, there's just not enough out there right now on these prospects uh, with it being a weird year. There's not enough information on all these guys. So the last thing I guess we'll cover is um, do you expect any draft day deals tomorrow in the first round um we won't talk about the second day because a lot of the second day is usually just guys uh moving up and down in the second or third round and, and it's not really players but do you expect a trade of any type of player tomorrow night so i'm not too sure about specific players that i could see moving um but teams that i could maybe see trading up or down I mean like you mentioned at the beginning Sabres definitely if they're not completely sold on someone that they could take in the first pick that they don't think they could get someone as equal or just as good at a later pick then I could definitely see the Sabres moving down um but I mean and as a player I mean I, let me hear what you have to say first and then I'll try and think of some other guys off of that um you know, I think that there's going to be a few trades tomorrow night um, or whether they're not tomorrow night, but, you know, a couple of days after the draft, I could definitely see that being the case. Um, I'm interested to see what our team, the Sabres, do. Uh, I don't know if it – I doubt it'll be Jack, um, like a lot of people think. Um, I think if there's anything that happens tomorrow, the most likely scenario would be Bristolainen. Um, but Reinhardt's an interesting one too, because apparently the interest is really picking up on him. Um, I Calgary, I could see them moving Matthew Kachuk. Uh, there's been a lot out there on how the flames may be looking to go in a different direction. And, and they're, you know, Johnny Gaudreau has been in the rumor mill for years. Now he could be a guy that I could see getting moved. They just lost Giordano on the expansion draft. I think they're ready to kind of start over. Um, because they've been a team that they can make the playoffs, but they can't get out of that first round, no matter who they add, what goaltending they bring in, you know, anything like that, what coach they have. Um, so I think that a full rebuild is kind of on the way for them. So I can definitely see a lot of movement with them. Um, Arizona made some moves today. So I would have thought that maybe Arizona would be active at the draft, but they, like I said, made a couple of trades today already. They got, uh, uh, Shane Goss is fair on defense. They added someone else as well, too. I can't remember who it was. Um, and then one more team that I, I could see being a little bit active would be um, Montreal. Okay. Uh, they didn't make the finals. Well, or no, sorry. They didn't win in the finals. I don't know why I said didn't make the finals. They didn't win in the finals. And, you know, 
Uh, they exposed Carey Price. They exposed guys like Phil Deneau and and uh, and Jonathan Druin. So I think to me that that's a sign that Mark Bergevin is, you know, he's kind of open for business. He's willing to uh, make that deal. And, you know, there's a lot of guys that need new contracts on, on Montreal, and, and it's going to be a little bit of a youth movement there. So I don't know any specific players. If there's anybody on Montreal that I would expect to maybe be moved, I think it would be Phil Deneau. Um, I think Druin's okay. I think, uh, Carey Price isn't going anywhere. Uh, hard to move that with the no move clause and a ten and a half million dollar cap hit. So, um, yeah. I, and, and then Shea Weber is interesting too. Does he get dealt? Yeah. Uh, he's got a lot of injury concerns. So if he does get dealt, it's not going to be a good package at all. You know, it, it's a situation right now where, They've literally said it could be the end of his career, but if it isn't and a team's willing to take that shot on, on Shea Weber and pay the price of like a third rounder or even a second rounder to Montreal, maybe you get a good defenseman with a lot of veteran presence and, and captaincy skills and all that for a year or two. Yeah. And I was actually just about to speak on that too. I was going to mention that I also saw a report earlier that it said Shea Weber is most likely going to need surgery because he was playing through an already injured, I think it was either thumb or wrist throughout the playoffs. Yeah. Um, And like you mentioned, there are concerns that he might just not be back for this next season and he might just retire without ever playing again. So, I mean, like you mentioned, I don't know how much, they, the teams have been in talks, but you said Seth Jones is most likely moving away from Columbus. I mean, yeah. Montreal could be in the market for him. They could say, hey, our defenseman's getting older. He might never play again. We need somebody else to fill in that hole. So, I, you know, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they've had talks about Seth Jones for sure. Um, they're, you know, Montreal's supposedly in on Rasmus or Salinan, and, and if they're looking for a big body defenseman, you got two options right now in yeah. the trade market, and that's for Salinan, and that's Seth Jones. Um, I, I don't know if I see any other, you know, big names on the move. Um, maybe a couple, you know, smaller deals and things like that, but um, I definitely expect to see a lot of a goaltending carousel this year. Whether that I don't know that'll be trades, but definitely free agency. I think you're going to see a lot of goalies on the move again, just like last year. So that's kind of what I'm expecting for the draft. And as far as trades go, and as far as our top 10, we covered that already. So you, you have anybody else that maybe you're thinking traded or? Um, Patty came to Buffalo. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you were going to fit that in either way. I knew you were going to. No. No, but off the top of my head, uh, right now I can't really think of anybody else. Yeah. So, um, I don't know. Do you got anything else that you want to cover for the draft here? Um, Not really. I mean, I just saw news that Taylor Hall's finalizing that deal with the Bruins, but we were already talking about that earlier, so. Yeah, yeah, we do, but yeah, we talked about that. Earlier. Four years times six million, 24 million for Taylor Hall, and the no trade clause. Yes, yes, that's the big one. That so, if he I wants to dick over Boston like he did us, then I, I think that's going to come back to bite Boston in the bottle a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe in the last two years or maybe the last year. Um, but for now, I mean, he played good there. 
Um, that's another depth winger for them. It does. It didn't cost them as much as it did Buffalo. So you know, uh-huh. um, and they have him first and firm. So that's you know a decent deal for Boston. But all right, um, anything else at all? No, I got nothing. All right. Well, um, if you want to wrap up, I think that that's all we got then. All righty. Well, uh, as usual then, for anybody that watches this on YouTube, uh, thank you for the support. Um, hopefully, maybe in the next year, once we're all done with college, we can yeah. actually get some sort of live setup going and hopefully you know, stream live on either Twitch or YouTube or something. I mean, that's something we talked about when we first started the podcast. I think that's something that both Matt and I want to do eventually is a live episode just to get a feel for it and be a different change of environment. Um, other than that, though, definitely follow the socials at ZNG711 on Instagram, at ReadyPack5 on Instagram, as well as the personal podcast, which is, I figured it out, it's at KQC underscore podcast. So okay. follow that. Um, I'm definitely going to be a lot more active on the account. Matt also has the login for it, I think. Um, so I'm going to be trying to post just different random sports updates from the major leagues in both America. There's nothing going on in Europe right now, for soccer and all that. So right now we're just covering really the sports that are either starting to heat up or are in mid-season form right now. So uh, just follow that for any different reports and Matt and I and maybe some others are going to just hopefully keep grinding out some episodes. So for anybody that's watching again, thank you for your support and hopefully you continue to tune in and maybe learn some stuff. So (laughs) have a nice day guys.